Meet the new TV voice of the Atlanta Braves. I can't believe this. I just need a second to kind of soak all of this in. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano. It's our countdown to opening day on Thursday. And what better way to do that, Justin, than with your in-depth conversation with the man who'll be doing a lot of the guiding for Braves fans through this season, the new play-by-play man for Bally Sports, Brandon Gordon. It's been awesome to get to know Brandon on his first few days on the job. Um, But a peek behind the scenes, I I left a little teaser um, on our Monday episode. This conversation was from the day Bally Sports South and Southeast announced Brandon as their new play-by-play man for Braves telecasts. Uh, So you can really feel the emotion come through. And I'm just really grateful that he spent, you know, a chunk of his day. I think it was about 30 minutes um, talking to me about that. It was really good to get to know him there um, and to really feel and get a sense of why he loves his job so much. And for anybody who has ever gotten a dream job or achieved their life's goal, that's how Brandon felt when he got the Braves job. Oh, yeah. So coming up, we'll explain why a guy from the Midwest saw this as his dream job, plus why the general manager was even involved in this interview and how Brandon became the voice of America's most popular sports video game. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger and Tri-Boost free for 30 days. You can save up to $1,000 per year with two times the fuel points and free grocery delivery. So go to Kroger.com slash boost to sign up. That is Kroger.com slash boost. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, so let's get to know him. Justin and the new voice of the Braves, Brandon Gordon. So I guess where I would start is you actually put out a couple pretty good Twitter threads already on it, but is is Braves baseball the reason you wanted to get into broadcasting? Oh, yeah, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> that, was, that was not only the reason that I fell in love with broadcasting, that was also the reason that I just fell in love with baseball and sports in general. And I, and I put it in that thread, but when I was seven years old, my aunt and uncle lived down here. They actually still do, but they had tickets to game five of the 91 World Series. And we had the opportunity to come down. And that's right at the time, I think at age seven, where you're, you're starting to have impressions upon you and you're starting to understand what sports could be. And so when I walked into the stadium that night, I remember it like it was yesterday and hook, line and sinker. I, the Braves won 14 and five and I just, I fell in love with Braves baseball. And, you know, for so many kids through the nineties, they developed a relationship with the Braves through the superstation. And that was me. I mean, I, I watched them every night. I would sneak down from my bedroom when they were on the West Coast trips to watch when I should have been in bed. Uh, and, and, and I, I mean, that, 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 that was my team all through the 90s, and we were fortunate to come back in 92 and 95 for those series as well. And and those memories and just the the things that come to mind on a day like today when I harken back to all those things from my childhood, you, you got to pinch yourself to think that the, the 
job that you dreamed of when you were seven. And now at 39, 32 years later, you get to fulfill that is, uh, yeah, it's hard to describe. It really is. Do you also, obviously broadcasting doesn't, you know, start out all the time as, as glamorous. And you did minor leagues. You did Georgia. You worked your way up. You did Big Ten Network for seven years. Do all the memories or does all the, the pang of your dues come to mind on a day like this when you see Bally announce you as the new hire? Sure. I mean, you're hit with a wave of emotions. And first and foremost is just the realization of that childhood dream. That's that's the first thing that popped in my mind when I got the call that they were going to select me to be the guy. And then today when the, the news officially hit, that, that wave kind of rushes over you again. But sure, I mean, I, I also thought about that first job with the Ormals in minor league baseball. I was making $500 a month and eating clubhouse peanut butter and jelly. And you're taking 13-hour bus trips sitting next to the big starting pitcher who's pitching the next day because you're the smallest guy on the bus and they want to give him the most room so he's leaning over and eating up half your seat. <laughs> um, so you remember all of those things. But I will say this, you know, as someone who grew up loving baseball when I got that first gig, in 2006 out of college, like that, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so even though the paycheck was small and the bus rides were long and it was 76 games in 80 days, I knew that if I got done with that grind and still loved baseball, that that would kind of tell me that, Hey, this is, you're on the right path here. And, and that was the case. And so I've just never deviated from it. I've, I've always tried to continue to, get different, uh, you know, just try to continue to further my career the best that I can and take jobs that seemed like the right fit at the right time. And, and when it was announced that Chip was moving on to St. Louis and I was already living in Atlanta, um, it, it was just a no-brainer. Like, yeah, I'm going after that job. That's, that's the one I've wanted since I was a little kid. How hard is it sometimes, though? Obviously, you had good gigs leading up to this, but how hard is it sometimes when you know what your dream is, but you're also trying to be where your feet are and, and be your best you can every day in all facets? Yeah, that's that's been the key, I think, for me. It's, it's kind of what I've tried to focus on throughout my entire career is I've never wanted to be someone, and this is hard early in your career in broadcasting, of focusing on truly where your feet are and not what that next move is because for two reasons. One, I just don't think it's healthy to always say, oh, I got to get to the next spot or the next spot. If you're doing broadcasting or really anything for that reason, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, I have been, my career, I look back on it and I've just been incredibly blessed. The, the jobs that I've been able to have, Justin, I, the first team play-by-play job I had outside of that Orem Owls opportunity was for my hometown team, the Evansville Aces. So I got to go back home and call games for the college team that I grew up cheering for. So that was like a pinch me moment in and of itself. A few years after that, the Butler Bulldogs, where I went to college, their play-by-play position opened. They were coming off the first Final Four run. And so I got to go and be the voice of my alma mater. And then now I have this opportunity uh, a little over a decade later to be the voice of the team that I grew up cheering for and idolizing. And so to think that I've kind of already had three dream jobs, 
um, that have just kind of come along organically at the right times in my life, I realize that, that not many people have one of those opportunities. And now I've been blessed with three of them. And, and look, I view this job as the Mecca, and I always have. And I know the people that have sat in that chair before me, obviously, namely Skip and, and then Chip. Uh, and I don't take that lightly. This, this is truly an honor. Going back to the timeline, um, you, you said you see Chips, you know, leaving. Um, you reach out. What was the interview process like, and when did you finally get the call? Yeah, it was. So they, I, I reached out, got in touch with them, and then waited to hear. But it all happened pretty quickly. Right. I went in to meet with them last Monday and met with the Bally's folks. Um, and then I also simultaneously met with Derek Schiller and Alex Anthopoulos. Um, and that also kind of showed me something. I've been in quite a few of these meetings, Justin, and for the president and the GM to sit down for an hour with you and tell you how important this job is and tell you what this position means to the franchise, you don't get that everywhere. Uh, and that just kind of, to me, solidified what I have seen from afar, the leadership and the direction that this organization is going and obviously the recent success that they've had. And that just made me feel really good about the position even more than I already did. So that meeting happened last Monday. So I would say the timeline was a week after reaching out to them, they got back to me, set something up. I went in last Monday and then just heard about it. Gosh, I think I got the call. It was pretty quick. I got the call a few days after. And since then, for the last five or six days, whatever it is, wow. just been trying to iron out all the details and get everything buttoned up. And, and that came to fruition yesterday. And here we go. Wow, yeah, I didn't even, I, I obviously don't know as much about your side of the industry as you do, but I didn't know a GM would be present in that, you know, in that conversation, GM of a team. That's not, that's not standard. You know, that, that truly, to me, spoke volumes. And look, regardless of whether he was in there or not, this is a position that I wanted. Right. But the fact that I heard both Bally's and then Derek and Alex talk about the symbiotic relationship and just how important to them this position is, uh, and to hear Alex say things like, you know, I remember him saying in the interview, you know, if you've got questions about a trade or a move we made, anything throughout the season, why we're doing something, why we sent a guy down, why we brought a guy up, he said, talk to me. You know, I want this to be a relationship where we have an open dialogue. You're, you're the mouthpiece to the fans and I want you to have the information that you need. And, uh, that, that's, that's unique. And that, that was like, I was already over the top excited. But when I met with those guys and met with Bally's and really heard the vision and the direction and how they view this position, uh, that, that was the whipped cream on top. And you get that call. What is the immediate wave of emotion? I remember you saying, you know, you think about it being your childhood dream. But what was – do you even remember what was going through your head in that first one or two minutes? There, yeah, there's a few calls that I've told people I I remember like it was yesterday. You only get a few of those moments uh, like I remember where I was when EA Sports called to right. ask me to do the Madden game and replace Jim Nance. And I remember where I was when Butler called to offer me. And I remember where the university, where I was when the University of Evansville called to offer me that position. I remember those calls like they were yesterday. And that call that I got, which actually came from Jeff to my agent to me, mm -hmm. but when my agent, Maury Gostfran, called me, and I saw his number pop up. I, I said, "This is this is probably it, one way or the other." And uh, 
I remember his response to me after he told me he was, are you going to say anything? I was just kind of speechless. Uh, it, it was, there was five seconds there where I just kind of sat back in my chair and I just said, wow. Uh, but I didn't even voice wow. I just kind of mouthed wow. Uh, and, uh, and then eventually I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Like I heard you. I, I, I can't believe this. I just need a second to kind of soak all of this in. Uh, and then we got down to, to the business of discussing what the next steps were and trying to figure it all out. But, but truly, it, it's a call that you hope to get once in your life. And I've been fortunate to have a few of those calls. Uh, but this is the one that is as special as any I've ever received. Obviously, you've dreamed about it for over 30 years. What was it like to get to call your family and tell them the news? <laughs> yeah, that's what's special. Um, uh, man. <laughs> emotional uh they i've got the best family and uh they're all braves fans so uh it's really cool to tell them my brother who lives in new york um he watches the games my brother who lives in fort worth texas he watches the games uh they've been huge braves fans with me and we've kind of been on on this braves journey since i was age seven they were at the games with me in 91 92 and 95 so we all we all fell in love together. I was just the one that was watching the games every night at seven, eight, nine, ten, and I was the one who fell in love with the broadcasting angle of it. But they they've always been Braves fans, and we even converted my dad, who's from New York, oh. uh, throughout the throughout the nineties. He got converted into a Braves fan. Wow. So uh, not only my family and telling them, and just just hearing their reaction, like everybody's reaction that knows me, that that has known my childhood story. Everyone said the same thing, like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This, this is what you wanted. Uh, and so to hear their joy for me um, was, was something that is incredibly special. And, yeah, I've got three older siblings and parents, and I've, I've got the best family in the world, and they've supported me in and out through everything I've done in my career. And, and this was certainly a special moment for all of us. Wow, that's awesome. Well, in terms of broadcasting, like you know it as well as anybody, what you're going to do for a baseball game is completely different than college football. What can Braves fans expect from you as you kind of take them in into the booth and into all 162 games? Yeah, I mean, baseball to me is a com is the most conversational. All all sports to me as a play by play announcer, you should look to make it a conversation to where somebody's sitting next to you on the couch. But I think what is unique about baseball is it really lets you have those more in depth, fun conversations and just kind of be casual but yet fun and excited at the right times. It's just it's a sport that is makes broadcasting great in my opinion and it's one that uh it, i fell in love with baseball because it, it gives you the art to be a storyteller it gives you the time to be fun and just enjoy it but it also gives you those moments of jubilation on a huge game winning hit or a home run uh, you know with basketball and i love basketball i grew up in indiana but sometimes the action is just so darn fast that your yeah. interaction with yourself and the analyst it's just different and the same with football. Yeah. Uh, but baseball, you have that time to really carry on a nine-inning conversation. And, uh, you know, the first person that called me yesterday before the news was public, but that Bally's had made the news private to, to certain folks on the crew, mm. was Jeff Rancor. And uh, I saw a 678 number pop up, and I, I didn't know who it was, and I answered the phone. And he didn't even introduce himself. He just goes, 
man, we're going to be talking a lot and hopefully having a lot of fun. And I knew it was, because I, I know his voice. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, you know, and you know, Jeff, I don't, I don't. That was the first time yeah. I've ever spoken with him. But after talking with him for 10 minutes, I felt like I'd known him for 10 years. <laughs> he could not have been nicer and more welcoming. And so when you, uh, the reason I tell you that is because you think about how important that symbiotic relationship is in a booth. Right. And look, it's going to take time to develop, and I get that. Uh, and, and, and there, we'll, we'll get that over time, but I, I could not have felt better about the guy that I'm going to be sitting next to, at least for most of the games, than I did after that call with Jeff. What was, uh, when you look back at kind of your journey, what was the toughest part of your career? Or maybe a moment where you experienced some doubt? You know, there was a time, uh, after, so after that first season of minor league baseball, my, the, the final day of the season, I drove home and I was driving from just outside of Salt Lake where the team was to Fort Worth, Texas, where my parents now live. And as soon as I pulled into town, my father uh, actually had a heart attack. Oh. And um, he flatlined twice, and they didn't know if he was going to make it. Now, thankfully, even though he's had health complications since, we're just blessed that he's still with us all these years later. But that moment kind of changed what I was doing. Instead of jumping right back into another season of minor league baseball, I stayed there in Fort Worth for seven months as he recovered and tried to get back to normal to help out my mom. And, you know, I was only 22 going on 23 at the time, but it was, it wasn't a situation that made me question my career. I knew what I wanted to do, uh, but it was just kind of one of those pause moments where you realize kind of how, how fragile life is uh, and, and try to figure out what the next step is. So that, that more than anything really kind of changed the course of the next five years of my life. And I wasn't sure what it was going to mean, but ultimately when the dust settled about a, two years later, I got the job at the university of Evansville. And, and it's interesting how you worry at the time about what something is going to do. Well, it, it all worked out in the end. And I think it all happened for a reason because that job ultimately opened the doors to everything that's happened since then. But that, that's just a pivotal moment in not, not only my career, but really my life. Um, that, that just kind of, I don't know how it would have worked out if that wasn't the case. Um, but it, it sort of created this new path that I'm now on. Right. You mentioned life being fragile, um, and learning that through that situation. How have you tried to, to carry that with you or, or maybe live like that, you know, knowing that throughout, you know, the rest of your life since. Yeah. And my, my father also then had a, a stroke in 2017 and we almost lost him again. Uh, and I've got, you know, my dad's, my dad's everything to me. Uh, and he's taught me more than anybody. And he's, as I'm sure a lot of people say this about their dad, but to me, he's the world's greatest dad. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the, his health issues and, and some of the things that he's battled along the way, it does give you a different perspective on all of this. Um, but I would say I've always just been thankful for the opportunities that I've received because I just, I realize that what, what we call this sometimes in the industry is like a candy store job, yeah. right? I mean, you're, you're, you're getting every, and everybody on the outside that doesn't do this always comes up to you and says, 
man, it must be awesome to get to do that. And it is, it's a privilege, uh, and I'm thankful for it. So whatever, whatever the job is, whatever the job has been along the way, I've always tried to view it like that. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, and this is something that is truly an honor and a privilege, and I'm just going to enjoy it today and see where it leads. All right, we're going to pause the interview right there. Coming up, more with Justin and Brandon on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Quick reminder that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sports Department is gearing up for Braves opening day, and we're going to have complete coverage to start the season as Atlanta goes for another NL East title and tries to get back into the World Series. And the only way you can access everything that Justin has to write, all of our analysis from our great columnists Mark Bradley and Michael Cunningham, get the Braves Report newsletter, get Bradley's Buzz newsletter, see our full layouts and our e-paper, is to subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we've got a special offer running right now just for listeners to the podcast. 99 cents for the next six months, so less than a buck gives you full, unlimited digital access to the AJC to take advantage of all those great products so if you want to sign up right now join our community and get everything you have to offer to get ready for baseball season go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast that is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on now back to justin toscano's interview with the new voice of the braves from valley sports brandon Gordon. so my colleague ken segura who covers georgia tech um, oh, he's the best. yeah he wrote a story a good story on you that he sent me about 15 minutes before we talked so it was nice but Ken made a point to say that he feels like as good of a broadcaster as you are, that one, you're a great guy, but two, you don't take yourself too seriously. Have you always been like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate him saying that. Yeah, I've kind of always tried to do it that way. Um, you know, I like I like self deprecating humor. <laughs> if I if I say something funny in the course of a baseball game that didn't come out right, you know, I'm not afraid to just poke fun at myself. Oh, that didn't come out right. Um, and, and I just I think that that's just the best way to approach it. And I just I like to have fun on air. Again, it's a candy shop job, right. and this this should be fun. And I get that it's easier when a team is winning and whatnot. And sometimes I've heard broadcasters say that the dog days of August, if your team's 20 games out of first, that it can be tough. And I understand all that. And, and I, and I know that, that that may be the case, but at the end of the day, you're sitting in a major league park broadcasting baseball. Like this is supposed to be fun. And my, my hope is to let that, uh, that light in, that I'm enjoying in the booth. I hope that that just kind of, is able to be translated through the television screen and with Jeff, uh, that, that this is just a thing that I'm, I'm enjoying and, and having a lot of fun doing. Take you, a lot of us knew you, I think the first time I had heard you was Matt, like years ago when I was in, gosh, I think he was in, I was early in college. Take us through that experience in terms of what, what's it like to do broadcasting for a video game? Because it's a process none of us ever see. 
Yeah, it's very different. It's I I always tell people it is not true play by play. It is more like just being a voice actor sure. because you're in a studio and you're reading lines. So it's so much different than sitting in a park and reacting to something that is happening down on the field or on the court. This is, you are in a studio, you have a producer and a director on the other side of the glass, and you are going through lines, and you are sometimes, it's like you're reading a phone book. You're reading the same line over and over and over and just inserting a different player's name. And look, this for me, it's been an incredible opportunity that I never could have imagined. And the people at EA have been and continue to be awesome throughout this journey. So I love to be able to do it. I just always point out that it is, it's not the same. I don't play the game. I've never had a, a gaming system since college. So, and when I hear it myself, I'll be honest, I cringe because <laughs> to me it's, it's, it sounds so robotic and repetitive and sometimes the lines don't fire like they should. And so, you, how your voice intonation is from one line to the next just doesn't sound right. And I'm always thinking, man, I hope nobody's judging me off this work. They're, they're judging me off the stuff that I'm doing in an actual <laughs> game. But I, but I get it. It's a video game, right? It, it right. sounded similar with the previous announcers. That's just, there's only so much they can do to make it sound like a real life broadcast. Um, but when I hear it, uh, it's, it's kind of like nails on a chalkboard. But it's cool for my, my nephews and, uh, you know, his friends when they play it, it, it. It's a kick and a joy. And that's the only time I've played it is when I go down and visit my family in Texas and my nephew wants to play. And he always beats me about 100 to 0 because I don't even know what the buttons do. Um, but but it's been a thrill. It, it's been a lot of work, mm. uh, but good work and, and a lot of recording sessions, but totally different from, from calling a real game. Right, right. I, I don't keep up with the game as much anymore. Are you still going to be able to do that with this job, or is that one you have to leave? Yeah, what's interesting is pre-COVID, so they the video game's made down in Orlando, yeah. and Charles Davis, who's the analyst, and I, we used to have to be in studio every week. Well, I say every week, probably 30 to 35 weeks out of the year for Monday and Tuesday. So it was a lot of travel and a lot of hours. But now, since COVID happened, they actually built a studio in, in each of our houses. And so I can just, if we have a session from 9 to 11, you know, I can wake up at 8 and be roll over, turn on the mic, and fire up the Zoom and be ready to roll. So it is something that, yes, I will be able to continue. And, and the folks at Fox and Big Ten Network, who I currently work for on football and basketball and baseball, they obviously, I had to chat with them about this opportunity before going into it, uh, and they are aware and they are supportive, and I'm going to be able to continue my relationships with them. But, but as I told the Braves, the, the, the Braves, that, that's the epicenter. Like, I, I don't take this job as it being secondary. No, no, no. Like this, this is the job, and I've figured out everything else around it. But, but I'm going to be on those Braves games, and, and those are going to take the front seat. Nice. Awesome. Last thing I got for you. So I, I'm originally from San Diego. So I, after a few stops, you know how the industry is. Atlanta kind of feels, it's starting to feel like home. And I'm wondering for you, other than the Braves, since you've got, since you've got that Georgia Tech job, what are, what are those things that you think about that make Atlanta feel like home, that make it comfortable now? Yeah, well, a big reason I took the tech job was because it was in Atlanta. When, so when I, before tech, as I said, I was at Butler, and that was my alma mater, and I loved Indianapolis. And I had a zillion friends there from college. Right. And so I always said to leave 
leave that job, something special was going to have to open up. I, I was not just looking to jump from Butler to anywhere. I thought that could be a job I could be in for a long time. But when Georgia Tech opened, because it was in Atlanta – and it offered me the chance to kind of get back into a city that I knew from coming down here as a, as a child and going to those games. That That's really what attracted me to that Georgia Tech job initially. So when I moved here and even when I left Tech in 2016, I I put roots down here. You know, I've been here for a decade now. So the things that make it feel like home is once, you, once you're in a city that long, you're just familiar with everything, you know. I've got my, I've got honorees across the street to go get my chicken salad sandwich. <laughs> I go down and, and grab soup and a sandwich at Super Jenny. I've, I've got the person that cuts my hair. I've got my dry, like this, this has become home even with a lot of travel, uh, since leaving Georgia Tech and, and it just feels that way. And I, I tell people all the time from up north, like you, you, when they're, when it's this time of year and it's gray and it's cold, eh, you should check out Atlanta because it's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. And even, even on a day where it's 55, to me, you go outside and the sun's shining and in the winter, I'll take that all day, every day. And, uh, the summers, people say, oh, they're hot. Yeah, it's hot in the Midwest too in the summer. It all feels the same once you get above 85 with humidity. So, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it is, it is, it felt like home when I came down here from tech because it just felt right. It just felt like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And and staying here ever since leaving Tech, uh, there's a reason that I've stayed. And I didn't ultimately know that it would lead to this opportunity, but I'm certainly glad that it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Brandon, thank you for your time. Is there, just before I always like to ask, is there anything you feel like we didn't cover, anything you wanted to add? No, the only thing that I remember – Ken was asking me about is that that may be interesting to you is when I was watching those Braves games from seven years old on, what really made me fall in love with broadcasting was I took the cardboard insert of a paper towel roll and I would take a piece of duct tape and put it around the handle. That was the handle. That was my bat. And then I remember finding a wadded up balloon in the corner that was not blown up. And I took a piece of scotch tape and I put it around one time and that was my ball. And I aligned pillows as the outfield fence. And I would throw that little balloon up and hit it with that paper towel insert. And I would play as the Braves. And Justin, I'm not kidding you. I did this every day after school. <laughs> I would play the, Bra- I would play the Braves full schedule. But what I was interested in doing in that is I was trying to mimic Skip Perry. So I was playing that game as a vehicle to try to be a broadcaster. Wow. And I did that for, gosh, I mean, multiple years, probably until I was 12, 13 years old. After school during the Braves season, I would throw that balloon up, hit it, and try to hit it over the fence that I had lined with my mom's pillows from the, from the living room couch. <laughs> And I just remember sliding around the foyer with only in floor in my socks. And, and that was it. I mean, that's, that's really where I fostered my love for, for broadcasting through trying to mimic Skip Carey in that home in Evansville, Indiana. Um, and so you asked me what I thought about or am thinking about today yeah. as this opportunity comes to fruition. And I, I just remember little seven, eight, nine year old Brandon hitting that little balloon and running those bases and and going through the Braves lineup with, with Lemke and Gant and Pendleton and Blouser and Belliard and Hunter. Like I, I just uh yeah, I think about wow. that today with, with a smile on my face and, and chills up and down my body. 
Wow, that's that's awesome. Well, I, I was a kid. I used to set up. I think I used to set up the futon and have people throw me balls so I could like try to you know make the catches that would you know you rob a home run or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I respect that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think Ken also mentioned. I don't know if we used it in our story back then, but do you have a picture of you with Skip Carey? I do. Yes. Yep. I can send that to you if you'd like. Yeah, that that would be awesome because that yeah that's really cool and that you got to meet him and um, after years of listening to him. Yeah, yeah. I posted the letter that I wrote to him and that he responded with because I wrote him a letter telling him I wanted to be the voice of the Braves. And uh, it's funny, I was looking back at it. I look back at it periodically, but for posting it on Twitter, I was looking at it, I was like, man, I had a lot of typos. For 13, I would have thought I would have been a little smarter than some of the mistakes <laughs> I made in there. Uh, in fact, I spelled his name wrong, which I just still can't believe. I spelled it C-A-R-E-Y, and I knew it was A-Y. Um, but anyways, yeah, I wrote him a letter when I was 13, and I remember checking the mailbox every day, and then he That's finally funny. replied. I remember when the letter came on the official Turner letterhead, and I was so excited to open it. Uh, and then I met him a couple of years after that. So I've got it, and uh, I can send that to you. That'd be awesome. Well, that that's super cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, congratulations. And, yeah, can't wait to meet you when you get down here. Yeah, I was going to say, once I get down there, it'll be great to, to meet you and chat and get to develop a relationship. Looking forward to it very much, Justin. I, I thoroughly enjoyed everything I heard there. And hopefully uh, that won't be the last time that we hear from Brandon on the Braves Report. I have a feeling that it will not be the last time we hear from Brandon on the Braves Report. But, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Um, from just the way he used to imitate Skip Carey to his first job to, you know, the family situation he had uh, after that first baseball season. It was all so heartfelt, so genuine, um, and so transparent. And so we really want to thank Brandon for his time. Uh, it was wonderful getting to talk to him on the phone um, and such a busy time for him. As, you know, as he was preparing for this Braves job, too, he was still calling college basketball games. Uh, he has had a busy month. He's getting ready to go um, on opening day. He's really, really excited. I caught up with him recently, um, and he is just jazzed for the start of the season. Um, but, yeah, it was really nice to get him on the podcast. We hope he's on again. But I think Braves fans are really, really going to enjoy Brandon. Um, and here's a twist, Jay. What about uh, Madden football? It was funny. In that conversation, I told Brandon, I was like, hey, I, I, knew, I knew of you but not from your sports broadcasting as much as your Madden football broadcasting. Yeah, that, that's quite an accomplishment because he, he is, and he is not, you know, uh, he's not Jim Nance, right? He's not Al Michaels. He's not one of the top names in sports broadcasting, which previously had that Madden role. But uh, he, he's been able to dedicate a little more time to it. And uh, inside that video game, he does a terrific job. Yeah, no, he does an awesome job. And I think Brandon's one of those risers um, yep. in sports broadcasting. He has already risen, um, but I think this Braves job, you listen to him, and he's got a phenomenal voice. He's got excellent cadence, um, and I don't know a ton about broadcasting. That is not my side of the industry, but I've thoroughly enjoyed Brandon's calls, um, the ones I've heard, not you know, not only on Madden, but obviously like in, in real life as well. Um, and I think, I think this Braves job is really going to put him on the national map, uh, maybe a lot more than he already was, uh, just because this is a huge team. It's basically the team of the Southeast, probably the most popular professional sports team uh, in the region. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, Brandon, I, I mean, I think he's sensational. Um, I think Braves fans are really going to enjoy 
him coming into the living rooms night in, night out. All right, now coming up, uh, this is our, our countdown to opening day, so we're going to be popping the feed here with a lot of special content to get you up to Thursday. So coming up on Wednesday, we're going to have our uh, NL East preview. And uh, here's a spoiler alert. Uh, the Braves competition is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, man, where do you – the Mets, although I think the Mets are vulnerable. The Phillies oh, okay. lost Reese right. Hoskins. Um, no, I, we will we'll save it for that podcast, but I think – I think the outlook is very good for the Braves, who are as talented, if not more talented, than any team in baseball. Um, but it's going to be really fun in the NL East. And those NL East teams, because of that balanced schedule, are going to start beating up and feasting on the other teams in baseball a little more. All right, if you missed it, head back to Monday's show here on the Braves Report podcast to catch up and hear from Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster about their reaction to making the club and making the opening day rotation Plus, we'll also hear from Ron Washington, Brian Snitker, and Orlando Arce about the shortstop competition and what it means for Vaughn Grissom and Brandon Shoemake. All right, so that's it. We'll be back on Wednesday to preview the NL East. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart.